Good morning. My name is Jim Curry. I'm one of the bishops of the Diocese of Connecticut. And on this glorious day of our creation and of our redemption, it is just wonderful to be back here with you at St. Stephen's. Now, this is a test. What do you think the major word of today is? Rejoice. Rejoice. We've been invited to a party. Now, lots of people have been invited. In fact, the word on the street is that everybody's invited. And I've heard that some people said no to the invitation. I don't quite get that but they found other things to do. And it's quite strange because it's the king's feast, a wedding, extraordinary and wonderful. Weddings are like that, full of promise and blessing and hope for the future. And you and I are invited. And I have no doubt that we should go. My guess is the food's going to be pretty good. Finest bread and good wine. But I haven't heard anything about, well, gifts to bring and about what we're supposed to wear. The invitation seems to leave all of that up to us. And there's a lot of freedom being handed to us with this invitation. might be helpful to have a little bit more instruction. When my son was married some years ago, it was a wonderful gathering of family and friends. It was a very traditional wedding at the chapel of the college my son went to, and my role was clear. I was going to be father of the groom except that Patrick and Andrea also wanted me to receive their promises. So at the very beginning of the service, I came to the front of the church to ask two questions. Andrea, will you have this man Patrick to be your husband? And Patrick, will you have this woman Andrea to be your wife? And then I went back into the congregation to be with my wife, Kathleen, proud parents. I dressed in formal attire for this wedding, purple vest and clerical collar and pectoral cross and tuxedo and tight, very tight, patent leather shoes. It seemed the right thing to do for the occasion. And everything felt scripted. In the weeks before the wedding, many of our family and friends called to ask about gifts. There was nothing in the invitation about gifts, but they knew. And you and I know the unwritten expectations of our society. So I could answer, well, they're registered at Macy's and Crate and Barrel. And at this wedding, there was a reception 
with very good food and party favors. Pat and Andrea had decided to give a little magnet that said a gift was given from this wedding to the Bishop's Fund for Children. See, I say this today because we all know about weddings. They're full of promises and hope. And, well, Jesus knows that we know about weddings. We know what is expected. And we know how to party. And that knowledge becomes the platform that allows us in his story, to step beyond our understanding into God's new reality. As Jesus tells us in the parable we've heard today, we are invited to the feast to end all feasts. It's an open invitation. Come, says the king, and party and rejoice. Others have refused me, but I want to give all of this to you. And in this story, there's also a warning, and it comes in how the king deals with that one man who comes to the feast not wearing his wedding robe. This man has trivialized the invitation and mocked the host. So Jesus tells us, with just the touch of hyperbole that marks his storytelling and that captures our attention, that the unprepared and ungrateful guest is bound hand and foot and sent out into the outer darkness. We are invited But the warning is this, come prepared to party. The magnitude of the invitation invites, encourages, demands, and deserves a proportionate response from each and every guest, each one of us. We know, we know about parties. And now we know about the kingdom of heaven the realm of Jesus' reign in this life and the next. We've been invited to nothing less than the feast of life in the kingdom of God. We don't deserve the invitation, but it's been given to us. It's a gift offered because of God's abundant love for us. And this abundance of grace deserves our abundant and extravagant response. We are a people called into the kingdom of God to live out the joy of that invitation with all that we are and all that we have. And there's another layer of understanding about this feast because in Jesus all feasts bring us back to a simple meal in an upper room on a night of betrayal and violence and deepest love. A meal in which Jesus offered 
and still offers himself, body and blood, in the simplest of elements, bread and wine, and he offers them for us. Every time you and I gather in community around the altar of Jesus to bless and eat the bread of Christ's body and to drink the cup of salvation, the banquets are fused together. The past and the future are made present to us in Jesus' sacrifice and in his promise. So it's not some distant feast way off in the future that we need to dress ourselves for. The feast is right now. And the robes have nothing to do with clothing. In Ephesians, St. Paul expands on this image of clothing to include the whole armor of God. He writes, fasten the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness as shoes for your feet. Put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. And with all of these things, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. In another letter, Paul writes in much less militaristic imagery. He writes to the people in Colossae, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other just as the Lord has forgiven you. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And then, as we heard this morning, he writes to the people in Philippi, Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. I think that each one of us, like Paul, has to work out a personal understanding of our spiritual wardrobe, an understanding that is for us consistent to the calling of Christ and the invitation of the King. A number of years ago, on my first trip to Mozambique, I met a man whose name is Gideon. And Gideon, I think, is one of the best-dressed 
people I've ever met. And I want to introduce you to him today. I know that you won't be able to see this picture well, but this is Gideon. And now for 55 years, Gideon, as a layperson in the Anglican Church in Mozambique, has been a teacher, a catechist in the church. He's from a very, very small village called Mendowney. And this village has no water. It has no electricity. The homes are very simple huts. Gideon himself has no formal education. And yet day after day, week after week, year after year, Gideon shares the story of God's invitation. He lives into it and offers it to others. Gideon, as catechist, leads prayers for the community. Oh, let me tell you about their church. It's a three-sided lean-to, almost, built with cane sticks and a couple sheets of metal for a roof. The seats are those little plastic chairs that are ubiquitous around the world and a couple logs and an altar. And Gideon brings people together for prayer. He leads worship with the Book of Common Prayer. He helps people enter the stories of Scripture. And when a priest comes by every couple months, he helps set the table for the feast. But it's not just in this small church that Gideon is at work. It's also in the village and in the surrounding area. Years ago, he helped build a medical center in Mondeni so that young woman, women would have a place safely to deliver their children. Over the years, he's taught generations, actually, to use mosquito netting so that especially young children can be protected from the bite of malaria-bearing mosquitoes. He's reached out to people in times of celebration and in times of great tragedy. He's been with people in prayer in times of need and in times of thanksgiving. And he's done this through years of war and years of peace, through years of drought and years of flood, through times of famine and times of relative plenty. And always he's reaching out to let others know how wonderful the feast is and to come and eat. I share this story of Gideon uh, mostly for me. I'm preparing to go to Mozambique now in two weeks uh, for my third trip there. And Gideon reminds me that it is not bishops who are the, the true messengers of this gospel. It's everyone and anyone who's willing 
to recognize what the gift is and to put on the appropriate robes and to go out in the world and feed others. To feast with Christ is to respond with excitement and joy and energy to God's invitation. And it doesn't happen just inside the church. Like Gideon, you and I are sent to be wedding guests out in the wider world, taking the spirit which we have received and sharing the riches of God's gifts with all people. We in the church have become much too tentative and much too timid about living the good, joyful, transforming news of God's love. Sometimes we forget to put on the wedding garments. God's invitation asks for an extravagant response in each of us. Today and every day, we are being called to bold affirmation and proclamation of this gospel. The invitation's been given to us. Indeed, let us celebrate the feast. Amen.